All right. Good morning. Well, if y'all don't know me, I have a feeling a lot of y'all do, but I'm Madison. That's my dad right there. Woo! My husband shared the offering, um, and today I'm going to share with y'all. I'm really excited. Um, you know, I was praying, and I was like, man, I don't know if y'all know the feeling, but you're like, I have so much to say. I don't know where to even begin. And um, But, you know, God spoke to me really clearly, and um, so we're just going to dive in. All right? So let's go to Romans 12, verse 11. Romans 12, verse 11. Do you have it on the screens? There we go. Give a hand to the back. I'm just teasing. <laughs> All right. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Everybody say, never be lacking. Never be lacking. So my sermon title is Never Be Lacking. Because, you know, sometimes we can kind of get in Christian mode where you come on Sunday, you read your Bible, and you just show up to show up. But there's no zeal, all right? So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about zeal. I really love that word. Actually, we have like a graphic design photography company, I guess you would call it. And we called it zeal just because I love that word. It means to be passionate, to be intense. You know, God, y'all know the story in the Bible where God went in the temple, like Jesus went in the temple, and he saw just people selling cattle, selling like doves and stuff. We don't have that nowadays. We don't have a farm. But at that time, obviously, that's a huge deal. In God's house, there was something going on that he did not approve of, and he straight up made a whip and just started smacking things around. He tore it up. Jesus was not a passive person, right? And we're called to be made like Jesus. We cannot be passive. And so that's why this word zeal is so important. We need to apply it to our lives because we need to have that zeal. We need to have that passion, right? I don't join, I don't want to be a Christian because it's easy going. I want to be a Christian because there's passion in it. And it's something you believe in and something you live by. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it because I noticed, you know, in general, people aren't attracted to laid back, easy going, especially nowadays, the church where you just show up and hear what you want to hear and leave. I don't know about y'all, but I can't, I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear like, man, you'll get through it, brother. You'll make it. Like, come on. That's not, that's not what Christianity's about. It's not about surviving. It's about conquering. And I'm so tired. Amen. I'm so tired. I'll listen to K-Love some mornings. All right. This is a rare occasion. If you know me, it's a rare occasion. But when I do, it's always about, man, you know, you're going to make through it. Your, your fridge broke down today, and if that happened, I can't believe that happened. That's just the worst thing ever. This song's for you. And every song I hear is, you're going to make it. You're going to make it through, brother. I'm with you through the storm. Yes, God's with you, but he doesn't want you to be sitting around moping about it. Like, oh, man, oh, man, my car broke down today. Oh, man, my tractor broke <laughs> this is Hammond, y'all. But I'm, I'm tired. I can't do it. But what happened to our zeal as Christians? What happened to that passion? What happened? I, per, I went through my own little lull, a zombie lull, 
where I just showed up. I read my Bible every once in a while. Every time somebody hears my testimony, I feel like I say the same thing. I read my Bible, and I showed up because that's what I did. You know, you just show up. You come to a meeting, you show up. But there's no passion there. And when there's no passion, you get in trouble. Am I right? When you aren't on fire, you start to compromise. And when you start to compromise, you start to slip up. When you start to slip up, you fall. That's when you, get, you hit that rock bottom everybody's talking about. But let's avoid the rock bottom. And let's just go to the fire, right? So what happened to our zeal as Christians? Was it through disappointments we started to doubt? Maybe somebody passed away and you're like, why is this happening? And you just started to lose that fire because you're like, well, you know, if God was really with me, why is this happening? All these circumstances keep happening and you're like, what the heck? (laughs) Is it insecurities? Laziness? Doubt? I'm going to go into um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's that's the words of the Lord right there. When you're neither hot nor cold, that means you're in the middle. That's when you're just showing up. That's when you're just going through the motions. All right? I show up to church, raise my hand, sit down, do the offering, listen to the word, take some notes, go home, and just go on with life. Go to work in the morning. But God says we need to be hot or cold. There's no in-between. The enemy, the devil wants you to be in that in-between. He wants you to be chilling. He wants you to be calm. Hey, don't worry about it. It'll work out. Just stay calm. You don't need to pray. If you pray, just say, like, Lord, thank you for this day. And that's it. The enemy wants us to be chill. But God has called us to not be chill. God, Jesus was not chill. Dying on a cross isn't a chill thing to do. Getting your hands pierced, putting on a crown of thorns, being unrecognizable, pull, uh, yanking your beard out, that's kind of bad. I mean, I tweeze my eyebrows, and that's extremely painful. So imagine your entire beard as a man. I don't have a beard. But a, as a man, a, your entire beard being plucked out, being unrecognizable, that's not just a a calm thing. And when Jesus left this earth, he left it with a bang. And I don't know about y'all, but I want to leave this earth with a bang. All right? So growing up, I'm just going to reiterate this a little bit, but growing up and even working with young people, I realize if you aren't extreme, you get a bunch of a compromise. And it's like, well, I can listen to this song. And then, well, I could go to this party. Well, it won't hurt to have a drink. Y'all know how, y'all know the end of the rest of the story. Because once you start to compromise in one little thing, it turns into a big thing, a huge thing. And because sin is so extreme nowadays, I don't know when y'all were growing up, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, when I was in high school, this whole talk, all this weird, creepy stuff going on, That wasn't going on when I was there, and it's intense, and sin is so extreme, we have to be equally extreme, equally extreme. As disciples and as Christians, we need to be extreme, and the enemy wants you to be chill. He wants you to think, 
Oh, this is okay. That won't hurt you. That's not bad. Oh, just one little kiss. Oh, I'm looking at the teenager. Just one little kiss. That's okay. It won't go anywhere else. You can control it. The enemy wants you to slip and he wants you to fall hard. Matthew 5, verse 13. I like to go off of a lot of scriptures so you know, like, oh, man, Maddie's being dramatic today. No, I'm just sharing what I know. All right, you are the salt of the earth. Everybody say salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's a great example of that when you aren't extreme, when you aren't super salty in this one, you get trampled. You get thrown down. We have to be strong with what we look at, what we listen to, what we allow in our houses. You have to be strong. I know one thing was when I first started dating Mike or we are going through our relationship process, he, I grew up like listening to just like classic, nothing bad, but you know, like Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers, that kind of stuff. I would play it in the car and he'd be like, what are you, what are you doing? He didn't, he never like liked to listen to secular music. And you know what? I could have been like, that's so religious. Oh man, he's so religious. But I respected it because once you cross the line and you know what affects you, and music is a huge effect. It could put you in, in the mood. It could put you in the zone. And it could get bad. All right, so I'm going to kind of uh, close with this. Well, not close, but um, last scripture is Ezekiel 37, verse 7 through 8, and then 10, but we'll just go. All right, so I prophesied. So this is about Ezekiel. I'll give you all a little preface or whatever. He was going through the Valley of Dry Bones. All of you all know that story? He was going through the Valley of Dry Bones, right? And it was desolate. There's just bones everywhere, an army of just bones. And he was walking through there. And um, the Lord told him to prophesy. So it says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. You keep going to the next one. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then it skips to the verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded. So he prophesied again, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. We can be that dry, desolate land where we just show up, go through the motions, spiritually dry where you're like, I don't have anything going on right now. And so I'm going to go over the four steps to restore your zeal, your passion, your fire. Kind of going back to the start, for those of you that are already saved, going back to when you first got saved. And for those of you that aren't saved, this is the start. This is where you want to be. If you want to be successful in life, you got to have this. You have to have this passion, this fire. So four steps to restore your zeal. And number one is obey. Everybody say obey. obey. And it starts out, the scripture starts out as, so I prophesied as I was commanded. God commanded him to prophesy. He didn't just, he didn't walk through a dry land and think, oh, I should just prophesy. God told him to do this. We need, we need to obey the word of God in our lives. Obey. 
obey the word of God, not just agree with him, be like, yeah, that's good, that's good. Live it out. I talked about it Wednesday. Live it out. Come to church, receive, but also when you go home, follow through. Like, yeah, that's a good word. I should do that one day. No, do it today. If you have a leader, your pastors, any spiritual authority, you need to obey that. That's key. To success, you got to be obedient, and God will bless it. All right? So the first thing he did was obeyed. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Number two is prophesy. And it says, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. When you prophesy, things start to happen. Things start to come together. So even right now, you're like, well, I don't have that passion. You prophesy over yourself, desperate. Like, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling like it today, but I'm on fire. You just say it over yourself. Say it over your children. Thank God my parents said, Madison is a great woman of God. I'm talking about myself. Madison is a great woman of God. She's going to speak to the nations. Thank God my parents said that because it did. It stirred up my spirit. There's something called a spirit. And when you prophesy, things start to happen. When you prophesy over your finances, things start to happen. When you prophesy over your personal life, your children's lives, things start to happen. But don't let it stop there. Prophesy over your city. Prophesy over your nation. I mean, abortion's up to birth. I take that as my responsibility for allowing that to happen. Because I didn't prophesy. I didn't pray hard enough. It's our responsibility as the church to say enough is enough. Prophesy. Prophesy. Speak life. Number three is persevere. 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 <laughs> All right. And so, so the second time he prophesied, and he prophesied again. So the first time he prophesied, things started to happen. It was great. But he had to prophesy again to bring it to life. It wasn't an army until he prophesied again. But he could have got disappointed after the first prophecy. He could have been like, well, you know, bones are coming together, but there's no life in them. You could get disappointed when you don't see the outcome you wanted. You could get really disappointed, but you have to persevere. You have to prophesy again and again and again and again and again and again until you see the breakthrough that you were believing for. Don't lose hope when what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. Don't, don't lose it. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you to give up. You all know the story of Job? Crap kept happening to the guy. It just kept happening and kept happening and kept happening because he was being tested. The enemy wanted him to give up. At the end of the day, he received 10 times more than what he had lost because he didn't give up. The, the enemy does that with you. He wants to push you. Give up, give up, give up. Disappointment, disappointment, circumstance, circumstance. Give up. We have to persevere. We have to push through. You can get disappointed, but you got to push through. It's hard. It's hard. Y'all know when you're praying for a financial breakthrough and you got like, you're about to pay a bill 
and you have like $20 in your account, I feel like that's a college problem, <laughs> college student issues. You got to like just be like, Lord, help me out. I'm rich. In the name of Jesus, I'm rich. You're going to provide every single step of the way. I'm rich. And here's my main point right here. It says, breath entered them. They came to life, stood up, and became a vast army. Everybody say an army. We don't become an army of on-fire Christians if we aren't obedient, if we won't prophesy, if we won't persevere. We will not be that on-fire army. It takes, it takes that breath. Number four is receive. That breath on that second prophecy, that breath that that army of dry bones received, that's what made them an army. It wasn't that first prophecy that brought them all together. Yeah, that was great. It was useful. But it was the second one that brought the breath into their lives. And as Christians, we need that breath. We need that Holy Spirit fire. I don't want to go another Sunday. To, this was a great Sunday, by the way. I don't want to go another Sunday just showing up. And you have to make that decision and say, all right, I'm making a decision today. I'm not just going to show up. I'm getting involved. I'm going to reach people. Receive. What makes us an army is that breath, receiving the zeal of the Lord, the passion to help others, the passion to save lives, the passion of love that you can't just stand by and be like, well, I'll let them figure it out. No, you get involved. With these youth kids, I get involved. I care. When you love, when you experience that Jesus kind of love, you're like, I can't just sit here. I can't watch uh, Bob ruin his life. I can't do it. I have to get involved. And we need to have that feeling of love. You could get so, so caught up in what's going on. The enemy wants you to be distracted by your circumstances. He wants you to be distracted by work. Well, work's just hard. You don't have time for that ministry thing. No. Because what matters at the end of the day isn't how much money you made at work. What matters at the end of the day is how many people you touched. How many lives you changed. Because I know at the end of the day, I got to show up to Jesus and say, God, I did my best. When no, I said something. And that's on me. If you, don't, if you see a problem and you don't say something about it, it says in the Bible, that's on you. I'm not going at the end of the day and saying, man, I should have said something. I'm going to go at the end of the day saying, I did say something. I tried my best. Oh, well, they didn't change. They didn't get saved. That's on them. As long as you say what you need to say. All right? We need to get that zeal. That zeal for your circumstance. And by this I mean, if you're really that desperate for a breakthrough, you better show it. Uh, you better be, God, help me. Oh, my gosh, help me. You got to be on your knees. I've seen too many people go through circumstances and situations, and I'm like, you don't even want it to be fixed. You just want to complain about it. You got to be desperate. I want to see tears. I want to see some crying out like Mike was saying. I want to see some crying out. Have that prayer room, that war room in your closet. And say, God, I need some breakthrough. You want that healing? You need to beg for it. You need to say, God, show up, show up. I need that healing today. 
If you want your child to get saved, you got to show it. God, help me. Help me. Lord, and then prophesy over your child. Breakthrough. 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 And God's going to show up. God's going to show up. You have to be desperate. You have to be desperate. If you want it to happen, you have to be desperate. Wake up at 4 a.m. and pray. Show God that I mean it. I want it, and I mean it. After you get saved, things aren't going to be easy. It's not going to be like, oh, this is a cakewalk. Woohoo! No, it's going to be hard. But you got to stick it through. you got to persevere, and you got to say, God, this is hard, but I need you. You got to be, I want to see, I told the youth, I said, I want to hear your parents telling me that you're in your room praying, reading, crying out. I don't care that you're yelling because you need God to do something. If you're tired of living in depression and anxiety and pain, come on. If you're tired of that, you got to be desperate for a change. We need to receive that Holy Spirit. We got to persevere. We need a zeal for our purpose. A zeal for our purpose. No more just like, well, my job's great. It gives me the money I need. Like, have a purpose. Strive for something greater. A zeal for your purpose. A zeal for worship. A zeal for worship. Come on. Jumping, clapping, saying, God, I need you. I need you. You see some of these people dancing in here, it's because they need some help. They're like, God, come on, let today be the day. Zeal for worship. Zeal for obedience. Even when it's hard and you're like, oh, I can't. You got to be like, all right, I'm obeying. I don't care how hard it is. I'm obeying the word of God. I'm obeying what my pastor told me to do because I know God's going to show up and he's going to show out. Zeal for obedience. A zeal for the kingdom of God. Where's the urgency for that? The American dream is going to work, having kids in a nice house. Is that, God's at the end of the day going to say, man, you really got that nice house. I'm so proud of you. No, he's not. He's going to say, well, who did you touch? Who did you talk to? You're going to say, well, I didn't have time to think about my ministry. I didn't have time to think about the kingdom of God. I just thought being a good person was enough. I heard somebody say that the other day. I was like, oh, my gosh. No, that's, that's, a, that's such a Christian thing to say. Just being a good person, you know, brother, and praying for you. Oh, man. No. Who have you touched? Who have you talked to? Who have you ministered to? You have to have that, that love. Because when you have that zeal, that love, passion, that passionate love, that reckless love. What are all those songs? Reckless love, passionate love, Jesus. When you have that, you can't stay silent. And when you see someone struggling, you cry. And you can't just sit there. You can't. It's not like, ooh, that's really pushing it to go talk to that person. It's not pushing it because you want to. You're like, man, I can't just sit here and watch that person ruin their life. I can't do it. A zeal for your relationships, your friendships. You need to help people out. But also, hanging out with people that make you comfortable with your sin is toxic to your spiritual growth. So when you're hanging out with people and you're like, well, they are bad. If they're making you comfortable about the wrong that you're doing, 
you got to cut it off. You have to be strong. You have to be passionate about that and say enough is enough. I'm not having friends that are saying, well, we could go to the bar on Friday night. You can't do that. You're just setting yourself up to stumble. I did just do that. You need to zeal for your house. Whatever goes on in your house is your responsibility. Well, I can't believe that happened. You got to pray about it. You got to prophesy because God will show you stuff. I remember one day I was up to no good. My dad, I was walking down the stairs and my dad said, I know you're about to go do something that you shouldn't be doing. The Holy Spirit told me. I said, oh, no. I got convicted so fast. I was like, the fear of the Lord is alive and well. I, my face turned around. I was like, no, no, I'm great. I'm fine. Everything's great. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to get some ice cream. And then, but <laughs> as parents, you got to be one with the Holy Spirit because he'll show you stuff. And then your kid's going to be like scared, almost peeing in their pants like, oh, shoot. My parents find me out. God's reading my mail. That's why anytime a prophet comes by, a lot of people try to make things right first. They're like, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then the prophet comes and he's like, hmm. I've heard some really bad prophecies where it's like, oh, shoot, did he just say that? <laughs> I don't know why I went there, but it was it, actually it's true. When you're close with the Holy Spirit, he starts to read your mail, so you better keep it straight. All right? And zeal for the nations. Think big. Just because we're in Hammond, just because you're in Springfield, just because you're in Robert or Ponchatoula, that doesn't mean that you should just be like square box mindset. <laughs> Where, well, I'll just touch my neighbor and the kid from school. Like, no. The nations. The nations. Global. Think big. Small towns are known for having revivals. You'll hear about all the revivals around the U.S. They're always in, like, a small town that you're like, where is even that town at? It's not in, like, which these places are going to do great. But you don't hear about, like, a huge one in New York or Los Angeles. You always hear it in, like, a small town. We can be that small town. We can. you got to think big. You have a passion, a passion for the nations, a passion for the nations. So I'm going to just close out, and uh, if we could have the band come up. <laughs> I feel like my dad. Can we have the band come up, please? And... um. I'm going to have everybody stand up. And today is a good wake-up call, self-evaluation to say, man, have I really been doing what I need to be doing? Have I been as passionate as I should be? Have I been saying no to the things I should be saying no to? Because once you, once you take an inch, you go a mile. And the enemy loves erasing lines. What God draws a line, the enemy's like, mm, just let's dust over it. It's not a big deal. The enemy loves for us to cross lines. And we have to be the ones saying, no, I'm standing on this side of the line. I'm not even going to get close to the line. I know after I got saved, after I got on fire, I made the decision. And I said, I will not even get close to that line again because I know I will ruin my life. I will ruin my life. And so you have to ask yourself that and be like, have I been getting close to the line? You know, it's like when you're on a fast and you, there's a cookie and you're fasting sweets. 
don't even go by the cookie place. Don't even make, don't even like make cookies for the kids and be like, well, I'm not going to eat one. It's just for the kids. If you get close to that cookie, you smell it, you're going to eat the cookie. Come on. Like, well, it's not bad. I'll repent later. Right? But we have to ask ourselves, are we doing what we need to do? So with everybody's eyes closed, I want everybody to just think about, think about your life. Think about the decisions you've been making recently. And ask yourself and say, Lord, is there something I need to change? Is, is there something I need to get rid of? Is there something I need to say no to? So take a moment and close your eyes. And this is how you know. When you visualize the cross, you visualize Jesus on the cross, bloody, completely unrecognizable. Now imagine if you're doing or saying whatever that thing is in front of him. Do you think he would be pleased with it? And this is a good moment if you need to, to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have allowed that. 